We are asked over and over again, how do you find the right phone numbers for the properties you're trying to buy? It is pretty simple. You skip trace the owner and property address. What does that mean? What does skip trace mean? It means you go and find the contact information of the owner of a property. But you don't want to do that one time. Real estate is a numbers game and a people business. You need to work a lot of leads to find motivated sellers. We use an awesome skip trace service that you can upload a giant list of names and addresses all at once, and a few minutes later, you have a ton of phone numbers for prospecting. Visit www.dpipodcast.com forward slash skip trace. Welcome to the Discount Property Investor Podcast, where we show you how to buy real estate at a discount so you can create wealth over time and income today. Our mission is to share what we have learned from the experience of others and help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate, the Discount Property Investor way. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investors. This is your host, David Dodge, co-host Mike Slane. Hey, hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. How you doing this morning, Mike? I'm good. I'm good. I got uh, my morning cup of coffee in, so I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah, let's awesome, do this. Awesome, man. Let's do it. Today, we're going to be talking about exit strategies for wholesaling real estate. So there's actually quite a few different ways that you can exit a wholesale deal and get paid. Most importantly, would be getting paid. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny um, you say there's many ways to exit a wholesale deal. And I, I totally agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. But when I look online sometimes or I listen to new students come up and ask me about, oh, well, if you assign the deal, it's not a wholesale versus if you double close, then it's a wholesale or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I just honestly, I kind of think, who cares? Right. Either way. I agree. You're buying and selling the property or you're buying and assigning the property. I agree. And you're making money on it. You're making money. That's it's, Who cares? It, you're not spending a whole lot of money right. on it, so you're making money. If you're buying it off market and you find a buyer, who cares how you find that buyer? Who yeah. cares how that buyer buys? <laughs> you're getting paid. Right. right. As lo- again, as long as you're doing everything within the confines of the law, you're not cheating people, obviously. Right. You're not being fraudulent. Oh, no. We, yada, never, yada. we never, exactly. never do that. So yeah. let's talk about what a double close is. So okay. a double close is my preferred method of closing. I think we sure. do it probably on most of our wholesale deals. Mm-hmm. So what happens is we go out, we market for the property, we get it under contract. In this example, let's mm-hmm. say we get a property under contract for 100,000. Okay. Dave here is gonna be the A seller. Okay, so I'm Mr. Seller. I'm gonna be Mr. Wholesaler in this situation, okay. so I'll be B. So A to B contract, I've got for $100,000 with Dave. So I sell, the, I sell my property to Mike, he essentially writes me a contract for the property. That's right, so contract, A to B contract, right there. Okay. Okay, so then- You, audience, can be the C buyer. C buyer. All right, so I, Mike, as the wholesaler said, hey, audience, I've got this great deal. This property is worth $200,000. It needs a little bit in repairs, needs 30,000 in repairs. Uh I can sell it to you for Uh $120,000. And you say, well, wow, that's a great deal. That's a great deal. So I'm gonna, you're you're gonna pay Mike 120. So what I do. Put 30 into it, Mm -hmm. but it's gonna be worth 200. So you'll have a $50,000 equity capture if you buy that deal for 120. So you say, let's do it. That's great. We lock up the contract. I send you a contract. You sign a contract for $120,000 and you decide you're going to close. Let's just use next Friday. So then I say, hey, Dave, can we close next Friday? And I say, hell yeah, man. So my AB contract, we may need to amend it. And we say, we're going to close next Friday. 
we have a contract with our with our audience here, or I have the contract with our audience here. Right. Close next Friday. Mm -hmm. I bring them both to my title company. Hopefully, I've done this a little bit earlier mm -hmm. than uh, the coming uh, next Friday. They're right. going to need a little bit of time to do the uh, the due diligence the title companies sure. need to do. Sure. They sort the details out and. Everyone goes next Friday, signs their closing documents. I'm gonna sign two sets because I'm buying it from Dave and then I'm selling it to you, audience. Right. So I'm signing two sets of closing documents. Dave's going in there and he's selling his property. He's signing one set. You as the audience are going in and signing one set of closing documents. You're bringing $120,000. The price that we agreed to was a great deal on the house. Right. I'm bringing $0, but I'm signing two sets you, of closing documents. I'm gonna documents. highlight that. Mike was bringing $0 in. That's right. Dave is walking away with his $100,000, so he's happy. Mm -hmm. He was able to get rid of his property that needed a lot of work. True win-win-win. Right. And then I'm walking away with $20,000 as the wholesaler. Right. And I, and me, Mr. Seller, I'm motivated. Let's say I'm going through a divorce or I inherited the house and I don't care about it. You know, I don't really care that Mike's purchasing it and reselling it. Now, the benefits of a double close are that nobody in the transaction other than Mike being in the middle knows all the figures. So me as Mr. Seller, I don't know that Mike's turning around and selling it same day or even later. Well, in this scenario, double close would be same day um, and making the 20K. I don't know that, you know, but even if I did, I really wouldn't care. Correct. So let's talk about this same situation. And just real quick, though, the audience that's buying it for 120, they also don't know that I'm selling it to Mike for 100. So again, that's the benefit mm -hmm. of a double close. Is yeah, the let's, title talk, company let's talk about the assignment. And pr protects the fact that, you know, you're buying it and you're selling it and you know those essentially it's two different transactions mm -hmm. so absolutely assignments. let's talk about let's assignments. talk about the assignment so similar situation i'll be the b dave's going to be the a audience you'll be the c again and we're going to keep the same figures just for the sake of simplicity right all right so i negotiate with dave i say hey dave i'm going to buy that house for a hundred thousand we've agreed to it i've got the contract with dave so right. i have my a to b contract and i'm purchasing it from dave dave says that is great I'm still looking to close next Friday. And this is a great example too, because you could go to this is an this is an example where an assignment would really make sense. Yeah, let's talk through it. Right. Yeah. So then I go to you, audience, and I say I've got this contract, this property for uh, you know a certain price. I'd like to sell you this contract for one hundred twenty thousand dollars, and you'll basically be buying the house for one hundred twenty thousand right. dollars. Mm -hmm. You say, well, wow, that's a great deal on the house. Okay, let's go ahead and yeah, do it. Yeah, I want to make fifty k in equity. So here's how we do assignments. Mm -hmm. At least here's how I like to do an assignment. Right. I would go to the seller and I would say, let's sign this purchase and sale agreement first. So I'm going to sign that that contract. Yeah. Then I've got you locked in to purchase the property next Friday, just like before. It's a great it's a great but way the, to do it. But then I'm instead of doing the double close, like we said, we're going then I'm going to bring you an assignment contract and I'm going to send you my original A B contract with Dave mm -hmm. with the assignment. Right. That at that point, you can see you are basically taking over that contract. I'm assigning all of my interest. The but also the audience to in, this, this, in this scenario, see, see buyer audience, um, they're already locked in to purchase this property. Correct. So you, that's why we do that. We right. like to, again, because with new buyers in particular, right. we're going to do that because we don't want them balking at the $20,000 assignment fee. Because again, audience, you come in and you say, well, wow, I'm not going to pay you $20,000 just for this property. Yeah, that's not fair. Yeah, that's what not did you fair. do? What well, did you do? Again, that you've already agreed to buy it at 120 so we say, okay. But really, what did we do? We did a lot. We, 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 we spent a ton of money on marketing. We took a hundred phone calls to get to that one as as you audience are well aware if you're doing some wholesaling right. or trying to do wholesaling it's a lot of work it's a lot of work yeah. yeah exactly so we you know we went on tons of appointments to get to that deal we found that deal we negotiated with that deal 
And maybe we weren't able to lock it up day one. Maybe we had to call that individual back and follow up with them for eight months. So it's like, yeah, we did we did a lot of work actually, and we earned so, that twenty k. So in our market, uh, at least in my mind, anyways, to when do you do a double close versus an assignment? And Dave was talking about this a little bit earlier too. So my my threshold is always five thousand dollars. I think if someone's going to balk at paying you five thousand dollars, that I, I just don't see that happening. Right. If it's if you're making over five thousand, I think you want to do probably a double close just to protect your interest in it. Yeah, but other markets and other people and other sellers, other buyers may have different, you know, mm -hmm. they have, may, may, may have a different threshold on that. Yeah, but just a this, rule of thumb. Rule of thumb. Know? But in this scenario though, which is a great scenario, if I bring a property to somebody at 120, regardless of if I'm paying 100 or whatever for it, and, they, and it needs 30 grand, but they are then gonna have a property worth 200,000, Nine times out of ten, they're not going to care that, that you're making twenty grand. They're happy to get that property at one hundred and twenty, because if they then want to refinance that property out and get a seventy or seventy-five percent loan, they're into that property for little to no money. Mm -hmm. That is a killer deal. So yeah, we described a really good deal. We did. So so in <laughs> in this scenario, you know, a twenty k assignment isn't isn't crazy. It's not unheard of. You know, however, like Mike said. Typically, if, 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 if our profit margin is between five and 10 or more than that, you know, we will opt more for, for doing the double close. But mm -hmm. assignments are a great way to exit. And here's the beauty of an assignment that I don't think that we do. We didn't even talk about it yet. Yeah, go for we it. We didn't even talk about it yet. But when you assign a contract, you are essentially telling C buyer audience, in this case, you listeners and viewers, by you signing this assignment, you, you are taking over my responsibility as buyer. So I'm essentially still in the middle of this deal, but I'm actually going to step I'm actually going to step aside. I'm going to get out of your way. And you are going to show up to the title company like you would originally with a double close, but I'm not. And you're going to buy the property directly from the seller, and the title company is going to collect all the money, pay the seller the 100, and they're going to write me a check for 20. So I'm not going to have any expenses I'm not gonna have any out-of-pocket costs, and I'm not gonna have to pay the closing costs, which kind of goes back to your expenses. So those are the pros. Those are the pros. Definite pros. Right. Now, here are the cons. Let's I'll hear the, the cons, cons this time. Okay. So one, you're stepping out of that contract, so you are actually relying on the C buyer to perform, mm -hmm. so they can actually kind of mess up your reputation if they don't perform. If they don't perform. Again, it should be a good deal, shouldn't be an issue. Right. The other cons. They, everyone knows what's happening. The A buyer, they may not know about it, but they'll figure it out when they get to closing and they see that you're no longer the person on the uh, HUD statement, that it's someone else's name or a different company. They can put two and two together. Right. Uh, so again, it, it becomes very- Usually they don't see that until the day of closing. Exactly. Or the day before. But but again, if you're working with a motivated seller, they don't care. What Their, their main motivation is to sell the property and get some money for it. And if Mike shows up as you know household easy properties as the buyer, or David shows up with you know with another company called Available Home Buyers or whatever example, um, and purchases this property, you know if the, if the seller is truly motivated, which is what we're teaching people, mm -hmm. um, they're not going to care. Yes, they're going to see that, and yes, there may be a scenario where they get upset or something along those lines, but it's very, very, very rare. They're motivated, they wanna sell their property, they wanna get out. So yeah, you definitely have pros and cons with assignments. Well, here's We a love doing both, 
obviously, but we kind of opt more for doing the assignment if a it's less than 5k because it's not a huge deal. People aren't going to get pissed at you know about having to pay that you know finder's fee, for example. Or if we have a relationship with a buyer who doesn't care that we're making 10, 20 grand on the deal, as long as it's a sweet enough deal that they can walk away yeah. with or 30, re- 40, 50 grand themselves. Re- repeat buyers sometimes too will say, hey, we're going to make this on it. Is that okay? We'll just assign it. Yeah. I mean, again. And, it- and really though, if it's a, if it's a killer deal, like, like the scenario that we described to you all, and we say, hey, you know, do you have a problem with us assigning this to you? We're going to make 20. And they say, yeah, we do. Well, that's fine. That's a killer deal. I'll go sell it to somebody else and make 20 or even 25 on that deal. So, you know, it just depends also on the numbers of the deal and, and you know, how good of a deal you, you have and how good of a deal you're selling. Absolutely. So Absolutely. a lot of factors that go into play. So those are the differences between double close and assignment. Yeah, so um, next, let's talk about another option. So again, we're talking we'll, about exit strategies here, guys. Yeah. Ways to exit the deal. So another option then, so let's talk about this deal a little bit more. So... Uh, and Dave, you can be on my team now. Okay. So we're buying. We're buying. We're buying this hundred. I like being on your team. We're, Mike. we're buying this hundred. Thanks, man. I like you on the team. Yeah. <laughs> we're buying this hundred thousand dollar house, right? Okay. And we know it's worth two hundred thousand. It only needs thirty thousand in work. Yep. What's another option? We could wholesale that property. Yeah. So again, this one, well, potentially. Uh, so what we call a wholesale is just carpet and paint, and that's kind of what. It, let's just assume that's what this one needs. Needs some new flooring. Needs. Uh, maybe uh, some sprucing up in the kitchen, real minor stuff. New appliances are really going to go a long way. Something along those lines. So we we buy it for a hundred. We spend fifteen thousand, and then we slap it on the MLS. So again, we're able to sell it to an end buyer instead of selling it to an investor buyer. So they're going to come in, and maybe we're not going to get that two hundred because we didn't do the full updates. We didn't do uh, granite countertop, something along that. But maybe we can sell it for about one eighty, right? So we can sell it for closer to that full market value, we're gonna put 115 into it, but that's gonna leave us a much bigger profit margin, closer to, after everything's said and done, about $50,000, $60,000. Right, wholetailing is definitely a great way to exit a deal. In order to wholetail a deal, you have to take control of the deal though. That's one of the downsides to wholetailing. You either have to have the cash, you have to have a bank loan in, you know, in, in, um, or have the ability to get a bank loan, I should say. You've got to have money. You've yeah, got to have the you've got to have a it. private fund. You have to have somebody that's willing to give you the money if you don't have it to close on that deal, as well as have a little bit more money to fix that property up a little bit. You I guess that? we should call it access to capital. Access to capital. That's exactly what it is. You, you do, though. You have to have the, the money available to spend to to, to satisfy right. the seller. Mm-hmm. They want their 100000 uh, next Friday, like we said, right. So they've got to get paid, mm-hmm. and uh, then you've got to have some money to put into it and wait. You got to put it on the MLS and then wait to get paid because uh, the retail consumer that buying process mm-hmm. is a much longer period than a cash close with an investor, right? So again, it- wholesaling is a great it's a great strategy. We talked about it uh, quite a bit in the last episode, actually. Um, but you know, it's it's essentially rehabbing a property. But it's just very lightly, you know, mm-hmm. paint, carpet, landscaping, maybe a couple other minor things. What but are the you ways? don't you don't have to spend a ton of cash on a wholesale deal. Like we sometimes sometimes we'll essentially buy a property and not put any money into it. We may, maybe spend a couple hundred dollars iron some maids to go clean it, and then we'll throw a for sale sign in the yard and list it on the MLS. So you can also do wholesale deals where you have to still purchase the property. Um, 
but you're not spending a ton of money rehabbing it. Right. So I think what we, the way that we like to define it, at least around here, because again, it's one of those things like, oh, what's a wholesale? What's a rehab? One of the ways that we like to define it, if you don't have to be a general contractor or have a general contractor on the deal, it makes sense. So if you can go in and right. manage the, the project with a few phone calls. I love that. Call a crew. Hey, guys, we need you to drop a dumpster off, and I need you guys to go clean the clean trash out. Clean it out, and then you call then a you, maid. Exactly. Then you, you go, to, carpet go to Lowe's or whatever and get your carpet guys out there to have it installed or whoever you're using for flooring. Right. And, you again, just a few phone calls. Then you call a painting company and have them do the paint, and then it's able it. to list. But you're not having to micromanage these people and... And, you know, go over there and make sure that you have all these permits because you don't need permits for cleaning a house out and painting it and putting carpet <laughs> in. You know, it's just simple. You know, you can do you can do that whole project in, you know, maybe one week, two weeks. Yeah, a couple most. weeks tops. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's real very, quick. Very simple. Yeah. You know? and, that's... and actually, I do want to mention this really quickly, Mike. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not trying to get off on a tangent by any means, but there are ways to wholetail deals that you, without purchasing them. You can, you can actually list properties owner by contract on the MLS. The only catch is, is you have to have the permission of the seller to do so. So I could go out, let's say there's a super motivated seller, he's an out of town you know, guy, he comes in town to meet me, and he just says, Dave, you know, he calls me up, I go out and meet him, and he says, Dave, I wanna sell this property, I wanna be done with it, this is what I'm looking to, to, to sell it for, if you pay me this, we have a deal and let's just say that he's asking a really reasonable number and, and, it, and it's a good deal in my eyes I'll say great no problem you know and then I may I'll get a contract signed with them and then I'm, I say hey I'm gonna buy this property regardless of what happens you know here's my proof of funds we'll close any day that you want now I'm gonna turn around and I'm gonna sell this property after I buy it like that's what I do I, I'm very transparent about it I'm gonna I'm going to either rehab it or I'm going to sell it to a landlord that's going to rent it. However, in the meantime, do you mind if I start marketing this property? Again, if I don't find a buyer between now and close date, I'm going to buy it. Don't worry about that. But if I can get your permission to start marketing this property now, you know, does that matter to you? Do you care? And again, if he's motivated, I'm willing to pay him what he's willing to, to sell it for. He's not going to care. So I'll just write in my contract. You know, I have permission to list this property owner via contract and have him sign an initial next to it. And then, boom, I can head back to the office, throw that property on the MLS, mm -hmm. put a lockbox on it if it's vacant. Otherwise, I'll have to just wait until I can have showing periods. And I can actually wholetail that deal and have full control of that deal without one penny out of my pocket. Mm -hmm. So there are ways to do that. It's just it's, you have to be a little bit more creative and you got to be a lot more transparent. Yeah, so just want well, to touch point. on that real yeah, quick. Yeah, because I guess originally our, our first definition of wholesale was buying off market and then selling right. retail. Right, and that's not completely true. Yeah. There are ways to, to do it without buying, without purchasing, but you still have to control the deal, mm -hmm. and that's the main point. So yeah. cool. what else we got, Mike? Exit strategies. JVs? Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about joint ventures. I love so joint again, ventures. So uh, again, we've got a property tied up. It's kind of like, oh no, I've got a property under contract. What do I do next? Oh and no! <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to sell it. How do you get out? Well, you can joint venture with somebody. So go to another wholesaler who's selling a ton of deals and say, listen, right. I got this property under contract. Uh, do you have anybody who'd be interested in it? Would you be interested in it? If you are new to this business, guys, and you don't, you do not have a buyer's list or a very small buyer's list, here is the two best ways to do a joint venture without a buyer's list. One, go to RIAs. Find guys that are wholesaling properties. Find investors that are rehabbing 
or buy-in rentals. Those are your buyers, okay? So go to RIAs. You can find these on meetup.com or RIA.com. Those people that are going to those places are investors. There's no better place to find investors other, other than going to a real estate investing meetup group, guys, period, okay? If you don't have RIAs in your town or you've been there and you haven't had luck with it, go to Google, type in sell my house fast, and there's, you're gonna see 50 websites that pop up. The people that are paying Google, AKA AdWords, you know, they're probably spending between 10 and $50 a click to get you on their website. Those people are wholesaling, they are buying, they are rehabbing, they are acquiring rentals. Those people have capital or have access to capital. Call them up, say, hey, I'm Dave, hey, I'm Mike. I got a deal, but I don't have a buyer's list. Are you interested in helping me sell this deal and or even buying this deal and partnering with me? Essentially, joint venture, JV is what we call that. Those people will either help you sell that deal and cut you in, and that that cut, that 30, 50, 70%, whatever it might be, is something that you're going to have to negotiate with them. But they also may just come to you and say, Hey, you know, I'll I'll pay you fifty-two grand for this property, and if you're into it for forty-two grand, that's ten thousand. Boom. So joint venturing is simple, guys. Don't overcomplicate it. There's probably fifty different ways to do joint ventures, but the two that I just mentioned are the easiest ways that anybody can do. Very simply. Very good. And so I'm gonna one interjection just as somebody who's paid for a lot of Google AdWords. Sure. YouTube. Yeah. If you're doing that. Figure out the name of the company who's advertised. Don't click on their ad, though. Save them 10 bucks or 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just go <laughs> down them, the list. Exactly. Right. And then look them up and call them or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't and even tell them that. They'll be happy with you yeah. when you do that. Because AdWords is expensive. I it mean, does. It adds up. And I think we were paying $25 a click at one point. Yeah, it gets, you know? it gets real expensive. It's super expensive. But, yeah. you know, those people, think about it, though. If you're willing to spend $25 to get somebody to your website, you're you're really you know their eyeballs are important to you. It, it it's they're valuable to you. You're willing to spend twenty five dollars to get their eyeballs on your site. Now hopefully they they call you or they email you. But if they go to the website and then they just leave the website, that's twenty five dollars sunk. Mm-hmm. So you got to think people that are spending that kind of money to to locate deals, they're buying deals, or they're interested in helping other people wholesale those deals yeah i was gonna say it's probably it's probably not 100 but i'd say probably nine out of ten of them that you call are going to be happy to take a look at the property absolutely and try to help you sell the deal or buy the deal from you i mean there's it it doesn't make sense for them not to moving on exit strategies guys lease options lease options are awesome mike we just did an amazing lease option we did tell us that real quick just give us a maybe one or one or two minute example of the lease option that we just sure sure so amazing uh, deal this is a relatively low income area here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not, in, a, not a war zone by any means, not a bad area, but a low income blue yeah, collar area. Yeah, it's not not a great one. So this the seller was super motivated. Uh, we had, and we had planned to wholesale this property. We did. So we we tried to wholesale it for a decent profit, and I guess we never ended up finding a buyer. Uh, the reason being, it was occupied. So it was a little bit more it's, difficult it's to show. It's harder to show whenever you have somebody living in the property. Oftentimes they don't want you to put a lockbox on the property because 
they're afraid people are going to be coming and going while they're not there and their things get stolen. I mean, it makes sense. So you have to kind of coordinate with the with the lease, the, you know, the leasee, the, the tenant, mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, yourself and your interested buyer. And oftentimes that can that can be difficult. Yeah. And so. again, in our company, we got so many moving parts that it just makes it even more complicated more sometimes complicated. and it just slips through the cracks and we just didn't get this one done right but we're kind of happy it didn't oh, so here's we, what I'm, I'm ecstatic we did so, so here's what we did we bought the property for uh with all of our marketing fees and paying out joint venture partners we bought the property for seven thousand five hundred dollars now this is uh probably a property worth 25 to forty thousand dollars mm-hmm. well, well we maybe a little more probably 40 to fifty thousand probably 40 to fifty when it's fixed up it's when nice it's fixed up and nice but somebody's yeah. living in there so it's going to be very difficult for us to fix it up when they're living in there, nor do we want to fix it right. up. Right, and this tenant has been there for a couple of years now, uh, what, according what to the, the landlord. With all the... 7500 7500 Let's call it 7500 okay. So then what we did is we said... So that's you know, a killer deal right there, guys. I mean, we got a property that's has an ARV of forty to fifty k mm-hmm. for 7500 bucks. Right. Okay. We're happy. Again, it's not not a bad deal. We're happy to be into How it. How do we find that for seventy five hundred? Was it a male? No, it was joint venture. So this was uh, the girls. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So we had to pay them out on it. Right. Uh, anyways, so we're in it for seventy five hundred. This is uh, a property. It's renting currently for six hundred dollars a month. And in my personal experience, when the rents go below a certain point, uh, it's usually a little bit higher maintenance tenant. Mm, usually yeah. a little bit. Uh, yeah. If they're paying less than five to six hundred bucks a month, guys. You're gonna have a lot more problems. You know, yeah, I, I would. The, I would almost raise my threshold to under 800. I just wow. don't want to deal with the tenants okay. at that that wow. level. Um, it just changes. It I changes. Feel like. And right. again, everybody's got different experience levels right. with it. Right. So this tenant again, low low rent. So we don't necessarily want to have that on our portfolio as a rental because if something goes wrong or if that tenant moves out, we're stuck and it's probably gonna cost us five grand or so to rehab the property for the next tenant. Yeah, or you so, may have to evict them and everything else. Exactly, yeah. and then, so you think about that, that's almost a full year's worth of rent when you take out taxes, insurance, and property management. Right. I mean, 5000 to flip the property, it just, it kind of eats up all your profits. So a lot of those real low income areas with lower rents, they look great on paper because you can buy them so cheap, but they are very difficult to make profitable. So here's what we did. Yeah. We did a lease option, talking about our exit strategy. Lease so we, option, we talked, awesome. We talked to the the tenant and we said, hey, listen, um, we just bought this property. Are you interested in buying it? Would you, would you want to stop paying rent eventually? And she's like, well, sure. And we said, okay, so can you afford any money to put down on an option deposit? So basically a down payment on your property. And the tenant said, yeah, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't really want my payment to go up. Is there any way you can work with me? And we said, sure. So she proposed putting $3,000 down. And we said, that'd be great. What we'll do is we'll basically lease this property to you for $600 a month with the option to buy it. If you pay your rent on time for 60 payments, then the option's executed and we'll quick claim the property over to you. Right. So it's essentially kind of, it's a it's a lease option that just triggers automatically when she pays her rent on time. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, you, you worded it perfectly. It's a lease option that triggers automatically. Other times you are doing a lease with the option to buy at a certain point in time, but we just kind of structured it creatively that just says, so in the, we're in, gonna give you the option to buy, you have to put 3,000 down and pay 600 a month, but essentially, if you make 60 payments, and you're and you're not you know late or too late, you make all the payments for the most part, 
at the 60th payment, you will own the property. And here's how this works, though. So the 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 payments that she's making are still rent payments. She is still sending us a rent check, or rather, we, we're doing it in ACH, so it automatically happens for her. She is still deposit or making that payment each month, and that is considered rent. Right. Until the 60th payment's made, then we credit her $600 per month times the 60 payments. Yeah, so we're essentially selling her this property for $39,000 because she's right. going to put down 3000 and 600 times 60 payments is 36000 So 36000 plus 3000 is 39000 We will be into the property for 7500 Now, we will have um, some additional costs. Um, right, so there's uh, taxes, there's insurance, there's uh, here in St. Louis, you got to pay the sewer bill. If that doesn't get paid, they'll they'll come after you. Right. So we'll probably have another couple thousand dollars in expenses right. over the next sixty right. months. But thirty nine thousand minus the seventy five hundred that we paid is thirty one thousand five hundred. Mm-hmm. And let's just say that we have maybe three grand worth of expense over five years. You know, we're essentially going to walk away with twenty eight, twenty nine thousand dollars in profit on a deal that we paid seventy five hundred for. Yeah, it's a now, great deal. Now we have to wait. We're going to be getting paid over five years. But it's just another way to exit a deal, um, lease option. Great strategy. Uh, we have some good buddies that, that own 150 houses almost, and every single one of them. One of our favorite episodes, actually. Yeah, one of our favorite episodes. <laughs> Le- Go back to Liquor and lease options with Jimmy and Bob. Great guys. Yeah, they, they, they're good friends of ours at this point now. But um, those guys, you know, they have a ton of properties, and every single one of them, they, they do lease options. And another advantage of lease options, guys, I don't want to harp on it for, for too long here, but another great advantage of lease options is, you know, all the day-to-day maintenance is is not your problem as a landlord because they are, they are a tenant buyer. So essentially that is their home and you're, you know, you still have the title, but essentially you're owner financing it to them. So if something, if the faucet quits working or the toilet gets clogged or you know, something minor happens to the property, that's their property. So they are responsible to fix it. Yeah, and again, so you're, you're technically not owner financing. It is a little bit different. It is Because it if, is you different. Were, if you were owner financing, I know there's a whole different set of things that, right. that happen. And also a lot of the times, like ours in this example, we're basically just yeah, uh, I mean, crediting it's, it's, the, it is a lease. the full it, amount. Right. Absolutely. Whereas most lease options, like if it's a $1,000 monthly payment, you're going to credit them. 200 bucks a month something toward, like yeah, that and they're the going to purchase it at the end of that right. for something else they're going to go get a loan right so our this example is a little bit different but right. again it just works on a very low yeah. income area very low value property right. but the point is though work. is that all the day-to-day maintenance is the is the responsibility of the tenant buyer if you put it in your lease option. if you put it in your lease <laughs> option yeah you need to word it that way right right but essentially what we'll do is if the hvac goes out or the roof starts leaking you know we'll either come in and fix those or in some scenarios We'll come in and we'll split that cost with a tenant buyer or maybe even loan them money to make those repairs and then they pay us that money back in additional rent payments over six or eight or 12 months. Right, because you're still the person on title, so that still is your property. You don't want it going to pot. I you mean, don't want you it want going it, yeah, to shit. Yeah, exactly. you, right. want it, you want to maintain the property. Right, so, so lease options, awesome exit strategy. Mm-hmm. We got one or two more here, Mike. What is yeah. it? So if you're you're trying to wholesale a property, I got a great story. This is back when I kind of first started. I was trying to wholesale a property and got stuck with it. Mm, I, it happens. I had to close on it, and basically I, I wasn't able to sell it. And I thought, well, shoot, maybe I just 
I was wrong, you know, right. bought too high. Mm-hmm. So here's an easy way to escape that, rent it out. Rent it out. It's not It's not ideal yeah, especially all the if, time. if you purchase it, you right. know, you purchase it, you, you, you got a good deal on it, but for whatever reason, all your cash buyers, they Said may no. not think it's a, as of a good a deal as you did, you know, but that's okay. It yeah. happens. So buy it, rent it out, and what I say is instead of a fast pay, you're getting a slow pay is kind of the way to look at it. Right. So instead of having somebody write you a check today for five grand, you're getting checks for, let's just say, 600 a month for 60 months. You know, I mean, instead of getting paid quickly, you're getting paid slowly. Or forever. If you don't ever sell it, True. You know, just lease it out, rent it out. So yeah, it's you'll definitely... get, yeah, you'll get your money back. It's a way to avoid taking a loss. I hear a lot of guys say, oh, I've never taken a loss on a property. Dave, actually, you said that to me the other day. And mm-hmm. I was like, eh, you know, it happens. Right. But this is a great way or it allows you to avoid that. Because if your timeline on real estate is long enough, you, you won't. Can, you probably can avoid taking a loss, pretty much. Right. Just, just right. hold Unless it. Unless you're trying to dump a property, which happens sometimes, taking a small loss. But, but yeah, if your timeline, to, just to reiterate what Mike said, if your timeline is long enough, it it is almost impossible to lose money on a deal because you can rent it out and you can essentially pay yourself back down to zero mm-hmm. or down below a point to where you could sell that property and make a profit. So it's it is timeline has a lot to do with rental properties and the exit of leasing or renting out a property. Absolutely. So guys, just to recap, exit strategies. There's more than these, okay? But these are just the main ones that me and Mike thought. Yeah, what well, we we focus on Yeah, when we you're focus on trying to wholesale and then pivot right, a little bit. It would make good conversations. So, you know, if you're wholesaling, double close, assignment, obviously those are awesome strategies. Me and Mike do those every single day in our business. Wholesaling a property. Essentially, you're buying at wholesale, you're selling at retail. You may fund it, you may not. Lots of different ways to do those. Wholesaling is a great exit strategy. And essentially, whenever you do a wholesale, you do it properly, you're going to make a lot more money than, uh, than wholesaling it um, via double close or assignment. Um, joint ventures. Um, are a great way to sell the properties. Finding another wholesaler, finding um, you know just another individual that can help you sell that property if you're new to the game or don't have a bunch of cash buyers. Lease options are a great way to exit a deal. Um, you know, essentially you're renting it out, but you're renting it out with the with the intentions of selling it to somebody down the road. So you're leasing it, but you're also giving them the option to buy. Um, and then just leasing it or renting it, being a landlord, taking the property, you know, getting a loan on it, paying cash for it, cleaning it up a little bit, finding a tenant, and just saying, here's, you can rent this property from me, pay me this much a month. And essentially, you're, you know, not necessarily exiting the deal, but it's ways to, you know, start start creating income. You're exiting that wholesale. You're exiting you're that wholesale. You're exiting anymore. that wholesale. That's so true. So true. All right, guys. So, Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, we've Great enjoyed episode. it. Hopefully you guys did. Uh, if you're interested in getting started in real estate, please check out the free wholesale course at freewholesalecourse.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll go ahead and wrap it up with a quote. Dave, you want to uh, kick off our quote, which you guys have heard before. You guys have actually heard this every single episode. If you've listened to any of the episodes, hopefully you've listened to all of the episodes. But I just really want to reiterate this, guys. It's it's actually in the footer. It's in the end of, of the episode. But you make your money when you buy real estate. Okay, I'm going to say that again. You make your money when you buy your real estate. You get paid when you sell.
but you actually are making your money when you buy. You gotta buy at a discount, and if you can buy off market, it's gonna be way easier to get that discount. Yeah, Dave, that was the longest quote. It was. For a one I sentence just, quote. I'd like to reiterate it though, man. Well, it's, read it real powerful though, right? All right, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.